Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast with your hosts, Erin Holtz and Kyle Mayorana. Erin is a holistic nutritionist and yoga teacher on the seacoast of New Hampshire. Kyle is a registered dietitian in Asheville, North Carolina, and we are both studying functional nutrition. This means we work collaboratively with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. In this podcast, we will address all things health, wellness, food and nutrition, discussing our clinical experience, life experience, and what we're currently studying. We hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Please keep in mind our disclaimer, this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the show. I'm here with Kyle. I feel like it's been a minute since we've been on the show together because we were so busy doing our interviews. I know. It's like we were cheating on each other. Okay. <laughs> How was your Thanksgiving? So we're recording a couple, a few days after Thanksgiving. How was yours? Um, Satisfying. I, I don't feel like I, I was stuffed to the brim, which is nice. Um, I was down in Georgia. We ate outside. So Ooh, that was, that was that's pretty different. cool. Yeah. What about you? Uh, it was great. I mean, it was nice to be around family. I, I wasn't able to consume much of the food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Why don't, do why don't you tell us about your liquid, liquid Thanksgiving? Um, well, I'm sure if you follow me on social media you've heard I went to get some dental stuff done and got a little bit more than I bargained for <laughs> um so basically I've been I've sought out a biological dentist which is essentially like a holistic doctor but for your mouth um so they're different just like totally different approach than like conventional dentistry they don't believe in root canals um they don't love mercury amalgams, which we like if you're a product of like the 80s or the 90s, like we are, you have like a mouthful of metal. Yeah, so. I have five. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, um, when Hattie was a baby, I broke a tooth. It just like smashed. Like, I don't even think my body was so depleted. My teeth just started crumbling, but it was like way, way, way in the back. So it was a molar all the way in the back. So I didn't really have to think about it. But, you know, she's three and a half now. So I'm like, okay, I got to get my teeth taken care of. So I found this doctor or this dentist um it's Groton Wellness in Groton Massachusetts and I went there because they're a biological dentist and um they were like all right so we gotta pull that tooth because it's beyond repair and also it has a broken mercury amalgam in it so we want to get that out and then the tooth next to it there's a broken mercury filling and that needs to be replaced so I'm like okay so that's what I went in prepared for and just FYI the reason that I wanted to do it um Mercury, obviously, if there's broken mercury in my mouth, that can kind of like seep into the rest of my body and heavy metals are obviously no joke. And because I have an autoimmune disease and I definitely have chemical sensitivity, I just feel like just get it out, you know, like just get it out of my mouth. If I have the means to do it, let's do it. So I went in there expecting that. Like I had a full day booked the next day. I like drove myself. It's an hour and 20 minutes. I was just like, oh my God, I didn't know you drove yourself. Oh yeah. Like I thought this was just like a teeth cleaning essentially was what I had prepared myself for. So when they were in there, the the dentist, the first dentist was like, so the, the molar that we're going to pull is sitting right next to a wisdom tooth. And when we pull the molar, 
even though you don't have any wisdom to teeth problems now, you might start having them. So we think we should pull the wisdom tooth out as well. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. Like no idea. I've never, I've never been around anybody that had wisdom teeth removed. So I had no idea what to expect. I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Do it up. All right. So I go to the surgeon and you know, he does his, he does his job. And then I'm like leaving, I'm driving home. I'm like, this feels funny. This, this is, this, is, this hurts. <laughs> and Scott, I got home. He's like, you had what done today? Like WTF? Oh my God. So I was like, well, it'll be better by tomorrow. Right. So I wake up in the morning and I go to get Hattie from bed and we're brushing our teeth. <laughs> this is so funny. We're brushing our teeth and I start to black out like the, like I see black. It's like slow, slowly closing in over my eyes. And I like slowly make my way down to the floor in the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> And I'm God. on hands and knees. And thank God Scott was still home at this point. Normally yeah. he's like long gone by this point, whatever reason he was home that morning. And I start the, <laughs> I start saying, help, <laughs> help. <laughs> Eddie like, oh is right there by me. They keep making fun of me about this. That's why it's so funny. And it was like, something's wrong. I need a doctor. <laughs> so we got Hattie brushing her teeth like, mom, what are you doing? And Hattie, Scott runs in and he's like, oh, Jesus. So he puts me in bed and calls my mom. And it's just kind of been like more of the same for the past two weeks. It's just like, it's not healing. It's a disaster. I haven't been able to eat food. I'm like drinking smoothies. It's it's good times. You've gone back there, what, three times? Twice since Twice. the initial extraction. So I'm just like driving to Groton, Massachusetts every week. Just like, oh hey, me again. The surgeon gave me his cell phone number. Big mistake. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> Texting him all the time. Like, yeah, so it still hurts. 3 a.m. text. What time do you wake up? <laughs> text like, me what when you, you wake up. What are you watching? <laughs> um, so yeah, that has been my situation. Um, so did you did you eat on Thanksgiving? You know what? I actually did. Um, I just I just did, and it was an incredible amount of pain that <laughs> night. So I haven't eaten since. Um, hashtag like, grateful yeah. <laughs> I'm grateful for the remaining teeth I have it's so funny because I went in with zero mouth pain zero mm. and then I paid them two thousand dollars and then they gave me a <laughs> tremendous amount of pain and it just like it doesn't feel right um yeah yeah but you know that's that so nobody will ever go to a biological dentist after hearing this story <laughs> I swear that this <laughs> Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend them for wisdom tooth extraction, but um, yeah, but yeah, that's my my experience. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. Wow. Well, um, <laughs> that's how have you been? Crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been pretty good. Um, I did something this week to try to help with the um, social media. Uh, addiction I think mm -hmm. I think I'm just on it Ugh, I know I'm on it too much so I bought an alarm clock because I was noticing that um, when I would wake up in the morning with my cell phone alarm I would immediately start like scrolling um, on everything and then it'd be like 15 minutes later and I'd be like well there's just not enough time for me to work out now <laughs> so I'd spend like another 15 minutes just like kind of screwing around so I got an alarm clock um, and I'm putting my phone uh, on the other side of the room 
I actually had posted on Facebook one day, which is ironic because I'm like, you know, trying to stay off social media. <laughs> but I like posted on Facebook. Does anyone know of any, you know, kind of apps that are, you know, will alert you like you've you've you know, I enter in, I only want to be on for an hour a day. And then it like alerts me, you're hitting your max. And somebody was just like, isn't that called just turning your phone off? <laughs> like, oh. and, I, and I'm like, ooh, yeah. Oof. Ouch. So, um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's like my self-care for the week is just trying to figure out anything I can do to be a little less glued to my phone. Yeah. Um, the addiction is is real. It's, it's, it sucks. It's a real thing. Facebook was enough, but then Instagram had to come along and now it's just like, oh, my God. Um, I did want to say to anyone that didn't catch your interview with Megan Garcia, I listened to that and I, I, I do not have kids um, and I thought it was so cool. Um, she's good isn't she she's, yeah she's, she's really good and I I will you know full disclosure I'll, I'll I'll admit that I was wondering how much I would get out of the episode not having any kids um myself um just you know I've never been pregnant I was just wondering but it was really really interesting I felt like I got a lot of great information so if somebody hasn't listen to it and might have skipped over it for, you know, the reasons that I initially was, you know, um, wondering about, you know, not having kids, definitely give it a listen to because it's, it was worth it. Um, that's good feedback because, you know, I should really market it that way. I've been kind of like slacking on my pimping, but I should, I should market it so people know that it's not just for moms and parents because there is such rich information in there. Right. Like you guys were basically just talking about how, you know, early life sets you up long term. So it's not all about, you know, just babies. So I thought it was really interesting. And then while you were doing that, I was interviewing um, Blue Ridge Hemp, which is a company in Asheville. And we talked all about um, cannabidiol. Yeah, cannabidiol, which is CBD oil. Um, And um, I interviewed Will, who's the owner of that company, and he just gave a ton of awesome information about what it's good for, how it's used, how to incorporate it. Um, so that episode will be two weeks. Next or week. I guess, a, yeah, a week once this airs. Yeah. So you ready to dive in? Ready to dive in. Let's. We're going to answer two listener questions today, so let's have the first one. So Laura asks, why are organs healthy when organs like liver are essentially big filters? Okay, I love this question. Such a good um, one. Such a good one. Such like such a common question too. Uh, so Laura is talking about organ meats here. So eating organ meats. This is liver, heart, kidney, brain, etc. Um, organ meats is also referred to as awful. <laughs> which is really funny it's o-f-f-a-l um but kind of that a, is how it's pronounced i yeah. once again was always like it's awful <laughs> well i've heard somebody say awful before but i've always heard it referred to as awful so don't worry i went wow. to trusty google and i <laughs> i pulled a classic you and me where i went to the <laughs> video and was pronounce? like awful <laughs> awful i'm like and it is awful wow okay um 
So the reason including organ meats into your diet is considered healthy is because they are a very rich and dense source of nutrition. But there is this common concern that Laura has, particularly with liver, that you're really just eating a bunch of toxins. So let's dismantle that a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk mostly about liver here simply because that's the organ meat that I have the most experience with. But I will also touch upon how and why to eat the other stuff too. And I'm sure you think it's weird. I know I sure did before I became a real foodist. Um, Embracing a real whole foods lifestyle really required me to reframe the way I thought about food and nutrition. Just because we're not culturally or socially accustomed to eating something doesn't make it weird. It just makes it different. Um, And I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind. Um, We're socially accustomed to eating Cheetos after all, and those things are super weird, right? Rancid oils, MSG, artificial flavors, yellow six, none of these things even existed a hundred years ago, yet we eat them thinking it's very normal, but it's kind of weird. Whereas organ meats, on the other hand, are something that people have been eating for years and years, and Kyle and I truly believe based on both our education, our research, and also our our experience that eating foods that mimic what our ancestors ate, traditional foods prepared in traditional ways, is going to be the best diet, the one that's most supportive of optimal health. Would you agree with that, Kyle? Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, I was... Sorry, you had muted yourself. (laughs) Way to put you on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, good. Um, we're on the same page then. We've um, we've we have talked about this on the show before. Traditionally, people consume the entire animal, right? Going back in time, not just the muscle meat. So during times of food scarcity, we never would have just thrown out such a rich form of nutrition like organ meats. It would have been totally crazy. So let's talk about specific nutrients that can be found in organ meats, and then we'll tackle that whole toxin concern. Um, I consider organ meats to be like the true superfood. They're like really cheap and far more effective multivitamins. As I said that we in this culture typically eat muscle meat, like things like steak and chicken breast, right? So compared to that, organ meats like kidney, heart, and liver are way more densely packed with nutrients like B vitamins, uh, B1, B2, B6, folate, B12, fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K. Organ meats also contain vitamin D, which is notoriously hard to get through food. It's really one of the only true food sources you can get vitamin D from. Uh, Organ meats contain a high amount of essential fatty acids like EPA and DHA. Um, minerals like phosphorus, iron, copper, magnesium, iodine, calcium, potassium, sodium, selenium, zinc, and manganese. And heart even contains uh, CoQ10. So like I said, I'm going to zero in a little bit on on liver um, because I it's, it just happens to be my favorite one. Um, and by favorite, I don't mean that I love it. It's just the only one that I've tried. Um, so liver specifically contains all the B vitamins. It's especially high in B12. So you know when you drink those five-hour energy drinks and you get that like big jolt of energy, energy, that's primarily due to the B vitamins and the amino acids in the drink. And you can actually get these very same things from liver. I had no idea that they had all of the B vitamins. That's, that's pretty cool. Mm. 
it's kind of like the go-to for B vitamins. Um, it's like just crams them all in there. It's also high in true vitamin A. Um, and this is, this is a cool thing. Vitamin A that we get from plant foods, that would be carrots, butternut squash, sweet potatoes, really anything orange. It's actually beta carotene. Um, and beta carotene isn't true vitamin A, but on, on food labels, we're allowed to call beta carotene vitamin A. But it's actually just a precursor, meaning that before our bodies can use it, it has to first be converted to true vitamin A, which is called retinol. Unfortunately, our bodies aren't very efficient at this conversion, so it is really important to obtain true vitamin A, that preformed vitamin, through animal sources. That's something that most people um, don't know, and not to say that you have to eat liver in order to consume vitamin A, but it is one of the, the richest sources of vitamin A. Um, it's also high in other fat-soluble vitamins like D and K2. These are extremely hard to come by in the standard American diet. Um, they're also extremely necessary for optimal health. And it's just always better to get these nutrients through real food or the sun rather than taking supplementation. K2 is, um, is super interesting to me. I don't think we ever learned about that in school. I mean, we, I feel like we only, I only remember learning about K1, which is basically just how to talk to people around like taking Coumadin. Um, mm. But researchers are actually trying to get K1 and K2 to be seen as two separate vitamins because so many of K2's functions have nothing to do with K1. Um, protection from heart disease, healthy skin, strong bones, brain function, growth and development, even some cancer prevention, whereas K1 is mostly just about blood clotting. So that's awesome. Yeah, and it's super, it's a cofactor to other vitamins, which means that we need it in order to utilize other vitamins, for example, or minerals too. For example, I'm pretty sure K2, one of its functions is to tell calcium where to go. So it's deposited into the bones and the teeth rather than the soft tissue, which is mm. one of the reasons um, it's, it's protective against cardiovascular disease, I do believe. Um, so anyway, a little little fast fact for you guys there. Um, liver is also a source of bioavailable iron, which means that your body can actually absorb it. Um, and then it also contains trace elements like copper and zinc. So clearly it's a very dense source of nutrition. So let's circle back to Laura's question, which is, aren't organs essentially big filters? And I, I think that Laura kind of answers her own question here with the use of the word filter. We know that the liver plays a major role in detoxifying the body by neutralizing toxins. The liver helps our bodies filter toxins like environmental chemicals, poisons, drugs, etc. But it doesn't actually store these toxins. So when it comes to toxins, you can think of the liver as more of a processing plant than a storage receptacle. It basically disables and then gets rid of toxins. But it can store nutrients like all the ones that I just rattled off. So when we eat liver, we're able to get the nutrients and we're not eating a ton of toxins like some people think. And on top of that, and this is pretty cool, the nutrients provided in liver are actually super supportive of detoxification. They actually provide the body with the resources to get rid of toxins. So this is of course, assuming that you're eating well-sourced liver and other organ meats. This part is extremely important. 
Um, organ meats must be from pasture-raised animals that were fed a proper diet. When animals are exposed to environmental toxins in a poor diet, they can become sick, and that absolutely impacts their liver. So be sure to seek out organ meats from, from a local farmer. And I would actually be personally a lot more concerned with consuming toxins by eating conventionally raised meat than I would with eating liver from pastured animals. Remember that toxins that the body can't eliminate are likely to accumulate in the body's fatty tissues. I mean, we all kind of know that, right? Uh, but also the nervous system. So you're absolutely consuming that with muscle meats from conventionally raised animals. So... Having said all of that, how do we start to put this into practice? And you might have no interest in, in consuming organ meats, and that's cool, but let me just give you some reasons why and um, how to do it if you are interested. Um, I totally get it if you're squeamish about adding them in. I, I am still working on it myself. One way to do it is to buy pills. I'm going to link to some of the brands that I like in the show notes, but Paleo Valley makes a grass-fed organ complex that contains liver, heart, kidney, and brain. And you can also find just straight liver pills as well. Do you have any idea how much the Paleo Valley costs? Probably, I think it's like 35 maybe 40 um, for maybe 60 caps. I, I'm just like totally pulling this out of my yeah, bum. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I made a three for a loop. I think it's about, I did remember seeing it's like 35-ish. I just don't know for for how much. There how definitely much, is yeah. not the most cost-effective way to eat organ meats. That's for sure. I do think it's a good way to get it in if you just can't deal with preparing it. Yeah, I've only tried the pills before. I got the Vital Proteins grass-fed beef liver pills, but I only bought them once because the serving size is four caps, which is just stupid to me. Um, and there's 120 pills in the bottle for 38 bucks. But if you're really only taking the four caps, and that's just 30 days worth, so you'd be dropping almost 40 bucks a month. Um, and I was taking two instead of four just to make it last, but I just um, I just didn't want to have to depend on buying them every month. So some having pills is an option, and then um, I'm excited to hear like about the actual food options too. Did you, cause it's, you'll save so much money cause exactly. livers like dirt cheap. But did you notice any difference when you were taking them that month you took them? No, but I think at the time when I, when I took them, I was, um, kind of like grabbing everything off the shelf. Okay. I don't, I, I don't think that I, it was a straight addition to like a normal routine. I think I was trying, um, a few different things at the time. So I didn't notice anything in particular. I'll say that I didn't notice a ton when I was taking liver pills, um, but I do I do notice a very big difference when I actually eat liver. But I've heard that that organ complex um, that I was telling you about, the Paleo Valley one, I've heard people have a really good time with that postpartum. So that's sort of mm. interesting. So if anyone has any feedback on supplementing with the liver stuff, we'd love to, love to hear about it. So if you do, if you are going to eat the pills, I would say probably take them every day and probably you'd want to take the full dose to get the, the full benefit. But like we said, it's way cheaper just to eat the stuff. So if you are going to eat it, I would try to get organ meat into your diet anywhere between one to two times a week. That's probably optimal. And this is especially if you deal with autoimmune disease, thyroid problems, 
adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysfunction, and any other type of fatigue or energy issues. Um, if you're looking to conceive, if you're in that prenatal period, pregnancy, postpartum, breastfeeding, you kind of like can see a trend here. Really, if your body is recovering from anything, um, it's such a rich source of nutrition that you're offering your body up all the good stuff. So anytime you're under stress, whether that's physical, mental, emotional, if you're recovering from something, this stuff is like gold. Um, I definitely, I'm sort of like a fair weather liver eater because if I start to notice like a flare or I start to feel under the weather, like autoimmune or like really lethargic, then I'll like start start doing my liver stuff, but I'm not as good about it if I'm not, if I'm just feeling good. So it sounds like it'd be good for the winter. I mean, you get the vitamin D, you get all these different vitamins. It's good for, you know, energy. It sounds like that would be also like another good time when you're just kind of, everyone's just kind of dragging themselves through the day. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, and I feel like that's usually when I tend to eat more of it is like in the colder months. Um, all right, so let's get to how we can do it. One really great way is to use it in ground meat recipes. So it's usually what I usually recommend is like a quarter liver to three quarters ground meat, whether that's ground beef, bison, pork, chicken, turkey, whatever. Chop up the liver and cook it first and then mix it in with the raw meat. I'm sure there's other ways to do it. This is just the way that I've done it. When you buy, so honestly, I've only bought chicken livers before because I've heard they're the most palatable and they're small. Obviously, chickens are small creatures, but they're, um, they've got like ligaments or something like there's like stringy stuff that you cut off and then kind of discard that stuff and then chop up the little livers and then you can saute them up with onions or whatever and then mix it into the meat. And this this tactic works really well in chilies, stews, meatballs, anything that's saucy or has lots of flavor. I've done it um, in my shepherd's pie recipe before and that went over pretty well. I've done it in chili. That, that went over really well. Um, nobody even knew that they were eating liver. This sounds like the most appealing option to me. So, and you really, once you're doing it in these kind of dishes that are already super flavorful with herbs and spices and other meat, you don't really taste it? So I do because it's it's very metallic. So since I cooked and prepared everything, I knew it was in there and I was like, looking it wasn't, out for it. yeah, it was looking out for it. But when I, the people that I served it to had no idea until I told them afterward. Suckers. <laughs> what about the the texture for some reason i i i have no idea where i get the things that i i i get but for some reason i i feel like it would have like a cooked mushroom texture why i have no idea um, is I it like know. meat is it like a meat texture it's well the way i cook it it's like it's ground up so much that it's you can't, yeah. it's not really like a discernible difference between what it's like cooked up in. I don't know if it would be mushroom texture. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I'm hung up on that. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like dying. A little, eating liver is like kind of like dying. Um, it's like not the greatest, okay. but All if right. you just, <laughs> am I selling it? Well, <laughs> if you, if you disguise it, I feel like you can, you can slip it in without, without 
Yeah, but this noticing. isn't exactly like, you know, slipping in some black beans into your brownies. <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> it's definitely a like different. a step up. So I just bear with me for a second here. So if you buy a pastured chicken and you pull out the bag of the organs inside, then the bags are going to have heart, liver, and kidneys in there. So you would have to like cut open the bag, rinse everything out, pick through and like find the liver and then take off this outside stuff that you said was on it and then go from there i'm just are trying you, to are like are you I'm, asking me or is this yeah yeah i'm just I trying have to no like, imagine i'm not a butcher kyle so wait so when you just buy just livers yeah at the farm oh okay yeah and then the, depending where i go sometimes the livers are attached to the heart this is again i'm just talking about chicken livers here um and so, yeah, that's, that's, but I'm, I'll ask my farmer. Yeah, that's way better. I'm just going to make something up. So just ask your farmer. <laughs> I will like, ask uh, my farmer. What do sure. I do with the bag? Okay. And then if you are local to the seacoast, New Hampshire, Maine Meat in Kittery sells something called the Lover's Blend. It's a blend of heart, liver, and muscle meat. Um, a friend of mine actually told me about that. And that, and she loves it. And she does it with like um, sauces, like marinara sauces and chilies and like stews and stuff like that. So that's a good way to get in liver and, um, and heart as well. And they sell that in one pound bags in their freezer. And I, I called and the gal said that they usually have them in stock in their freezer. So that would be a good way to try it. And that way you're not like dicing up liver yourself. So something to think about. The way that I primarily get liver in is, but I know this sounds gross, but it's just a way to slam it back. Raw liver shots. Um, I truly get a jolt of energy when I do this. I love them. The downside is that it is a bit of a project to prepare the liver and prepare the shot each day. Um, so that's kind of a, a bummer. I got this idea from Liz Wolf at Real Food Liz. So I just follow her directions to a T and I'll talk you through what I do because I get asked this kind of a lot. Um, so I buy the livers from wherever, Vernon Family Farm oftentimes, but from a reputable source and I put them in the blender. So raw liver in the blender once you cut away that like sinewy stuff and then blend it up so it's just a puree. And then I lie a piece of parchment paper out and pour the puree over it and spread it out with a spatula so it kind of looks like I'm making fruit roll-ups not a fruit roll-up hmm. but yeah and then I slide it into the freezer and I freeze it for two weeks now if you're buying frozen liver which oftentimes farms will sell then you don't have to necessarily do this step um, but you want to make sure that the liver is frozen for two weeks because that's going to kill off any pathogens since you're consuming it raw and so after two weeks, I take it out and then I use a pizza cutter and I cut it into like um, little slices, little chunks, like one inch squares. And then I put those in a Ziploc baggie and I keep them in there. And then when I want to make a shot, I'll pull out one or two squares and I'll put it in the blender with either tart cherry juice or pomegranate juice or some melted frozen strawberries, blend it up, put it in a shot glass and slam it back. Wow. So hardcore. That's, you've come a long way from college. <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Uh, indeed. So that's 
I, I mean, that's just a way to do it. Like I said, I don't enjoy the taste of eating liver. So that's a way for me to, for me to get it in. Another idea is frozen liver pills. So basically you follow that same procedure, but you cut them up into tiny little pills and then you can just swallow them. I've done this before. I don't love it because I kind of feel like I'm just like swallowing frozen chunks of, you know, like it's kind of weird. Mm. Like you feel the frozen chunk go all the way down into your belly. Um, so it's not my favorite, but it's a definitely a cheaper alternative to to the liver pills. Yeah. Um, I looked at that recipe. You did? And at first I was like, oh, well, this this seems like pretty, pretty easy. I mean, you just got to, the hardest part is just cutting it all up into a bite-sized thing and then freezing it. But yeah, the mind is a tricky thing. And I feel like this, if I had it in my mouth and like I stalled at all, oh, it'd be, it'd be really hard to, to get it down after that. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, Hattie has found them in the freezer and been like, Ooh, what's this? Thinking it was like a treat. And I'm like, fine, go for it. Go for it. And she like took a big bite of it and you should, oh, her face is so funny. She's like, what did you do to me? Um, and then quickly two other, other liver ideas. There's a liver pate recipe or, you know, there's several liver pate recipes, but there's one that, that I really like that's, that uses bacon fat and bacon. So it's more palatable. It has thyme in it, um, and ghee and butter. So it's just like fat on top of fat on top of fat. Talk about getting your fat soluble vitamins in. And then, um, the banging liver recipe from the paleo chef is actually pretty good. So I've made that and kind of just eaten it on corn chips straight up. So I'm going to link to a blog post that I wrote about liver and it links to all of these recipes that I'm talking about. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Um, maybe I'll try it. (laughs) one of these days I think I'm just gonna do the shepherd's pie or the chili thing that seems like a perfect like I'd go chili and just go like crazy heavy on the spice like spice the liver before you even mix it into the meat and then just like have it just like super saucy and you probably won't even know it's in there yeah yeah I like it okay so our next question is from Jenny from Illinois um, on some future podcast, I'd love to hear you guys talk about lunchbox ideas for school, specifically how to replace the sandwich. I have a freshman and a seventh grader, both boys, and their lunches are centered around a sandwich on whole wheat bread. We rotate salami, ham, PB&J. Along with this, they get some cut up raw veggies, a piece of fruit, and a kind bar for a snack water to drink. I'd love to replace a sandwich with something else to get the bread out. They don't have issues per se with gluten, but I know I'm not supposed to eat it, so I'd like to reduce it in their diets as well. My guys are good eaters and will roll with just about anything, but I don't think that they would appreciate having to pull out some sushi or something like that at lunch, so I need some ideas that wouldn't be too embarrassing for them to eat around their peers. So kid feeding is hard, man. It's one of the reasons we pulled this question. It's just, it's just hard. And as a parent, I'm caught between this place of wanting to feed my kid all the traditional nutrient dense foods like liver, sardines or whatever, and then not wanting her to be the odd man out. Um, I definitely delved into this on last week's show with Megan Garcia. Ultimately, I'm just really frustrated with the climate of our food culture where it's considered weird to eat real food. So while I totally get you not wanting to send off sushi to school, 
wouldn't it be great if you could do that without kids raising eyebrows at your son's lunchboxes? Um, I think that lunch in America is sort of synonymous with sandwich, right? They're easy to make, easy to buy, easy to pack, easy to eat on the go. So I get it. But they're oftentimes just filler food, right? You get carbs, you get calories, you oftentimes get some fat, but very little nutrition. Um, sandwiches do always win out on the convenience scale though. So I think they're fine as long as you're being conscientious of ingredients in variety, meaning not just eating PB and J every day. And I know that Jenny isn't doing this in her in her sons aren't, but I do want to just throw that out there to other listeners. Be sure to pack nutrition into the sandwich versus just having it be filler food and rotate them out with other meal options, which we'll, we'll get into in a bit. But if, if bread is the true um, issue here and you're looking to move away from gluten, um, some other options just off the top of my head here are food for life, brown rice tortillas. Those are pretty pretty good. Um, if gluten isn't an issue, the Food for Life also makes Ezekiel sprouted bread, um, which is going to be definitely a step up or a few steps up from like traditional sandwich bread that you'll get in the store because the ingredients are good. It does contain gluten, but it's sprouted gluten. So some people can, can get away with that. Um, a gluten-free bread that I like is three bakers, seven ancient grains. The ingredients aren't super squeaky clean, but they're a lot better than some of the other gluten-free breads on the market. So that might be something to look into. There's also coconut wraps. Um, and then against all grain has a blender bread recipe, which I've made before. It's very simple. It's basically throwing... Um, eggs and cashews into a blender, obviously more ingredients, but those are the two main ingredients. So it's good because it has protein and it has fat. It's a nutrient dense bread um, and it's super easy to make. The downside is that it's pretty, it's pretty expensive, especially if you're using pasture raised eggs um, and cashews are pretty expensive. So, so it's an expensive loaf of bread. Um, when I make it, I I cook it, let it cool, cut it up into slices and throw it in the freezer and just kind of like pull out pieces as we need them. And it lasts, we don't need a ton of bread in my house, so it lasts quite a while, but just figured that was an option to throw out there. But what you could do is just rotate some different bread options too. So that way you're kind of getting like a, you know, you're not just leaning so heavily on the gluten bread. And then in terms of a sandwich filler, rotate that out as well. So tuna salad, salmon salad. I've got a great recipe up on, on my blog. Um, chickpea salad is another good one. It kind of make it just like you would a tuna salad, but you use chickpeas. So get a really good quality mayo, um, get some dill, throw in some celery, salt, celery seed, celery, whatever you like, mash it all up in there. Um, I know that your, your kiddos like to bring chopped veggies. So throwing in a nutritious dip is a good idea. Um, Nom Nom Paleo has a great beet hummus recipe. And then Detox Anissa also has a zucchini hummus recipe that is very, very good. Um, and you could also spread that on a wrap. And you can just take leave. If you're doing deli, deli meats, you can just do roll-ups and like skip the meat entirely and rotate out the the different meats too so you could add prosciutto turkey to the mix and in, in addition to the the salami and the ham um, my kiddo loves smoked salmon she'll eat a whole package of smoked salmon so you could throw that into a lunch box you can um, add some 
good quality cream cheese and maybe make it into a roll up with a, with a wrap or something. Um, egg muffins, kind of making like mini quiches using uh, muffin tins. That's a nice high protein, protein lunch option that you could easily throw into a, um, into a lunchbox. And I really like doing like a paleo banana bread. Civilized Caveman makes one that's awesome or has a recipe on his site that's awesome. It's a lot of eggs. So it's high protein. It's high fat. It's going to be a nutrient dense thing. I'll often pack that for, for my daughter, um, in her lunchbox. And then really any other paleo baked goods kind of follows the same soup because it's, they're usually high in protein and fat because they tend to be egg heavy. So those are all alternatives for for sandwiches and things you can throw into um, a lunchbox. I wrote two blog posts for Seacoast Mom's blog that I will link to in the show notes. And when I'm packing lunch for Hattie, I mean, granted, she's three years old, but these are often the types of foods that I'll throw in there. And I'm saying all of this, but please keep in mind that I was definitely the kid in school bringing my thermos full of soup because I never liked sandwiches. So I think that expanding our idea of lunch beyond sandwiches for both kids and adults alike is is a smart concept. Um, And I actually get this question, like, what should I eat for lunch? Quite a bit for my clients, um, adult clients, because as we work to phase out filler foods like bread, People are so accustomed to eating sandwiches for lunch that they're like, well, what do I eat for lunch if I don't eat bread? So Kyle, I know you've got some good ideas up your sleeve since you do actually pack a lunch every day. So some of your ideas are going to be great for both kids and and adults. Yeah, I think the key here is to try to do the same thing that you do for yourself Um, I actually loved what you said in your interview with Megan Garcia about there not being any division between adult and kid food in your house. Um, I'm not a parent, but I do know what it's like to cook for someone and have to make their lunches every day. And um, I can definitely say that if I had to make something completely different for them um, than what I was making for myself, I would have lost my mind on a weekly basis. Um, also, as a dietitian, I would never recommend that somebody make entirely separate meals for people in their house. For me, I just feel like that would take all of the enjoyment um, out of cooking. It would just be such a hassle and so it would take up so much of your time. So no, I don't have kids, but this is my standpoint on cooking for anyone else, whether it's a kid or an adult. Um, and it's basically just finding a balance between convenience and nutrition. We also want to be mindful about the kinds of foods that we give kids who have to pay attention in school all day. Really the same as for adults who have to stay focused at work or whatever. Uh, Sugar is absolutely going to contribute to afternoon crashes in energy. While including a little dark chocolate for a treat is fine, that amount right there is probably where I would set the limit for sugar at that time of day. Um, I still think it's hilarious that I would eat Otis Spunkmeyer cookies, fruit snacks, and grape juice for school lunch, and then wonder why I couldn't stay awake in the afternoon and was absolutely failing out of high school. What are Otis Spunkmeyer cookies? They're just like chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. You're the worst. I mean, like chocolate chip cookies, fruit snacks, and grape juice, and that would be it. I have never gone through the school lunch line in my entire life. I have never once, not even one day. So I always packed 
um, either like obviously crappy food or <laughs> bought crappy food, but that, that was it. Um, so for mental focus, we want to make sure that we're getting a good combination of carbs, protein, and healthy fats at lunch. They all have an important role. Protein's going to be a lot more satiating than fat and carbs, so we'll feel satisfied when we eat it. Carbs are broken down into glucose, which is a main source of energy for our cells, especially in the brain. Fats are good for stabilizing your energy and mood throughout the day, so you need them all. I have a few suggestions. Um, The first one is kind of an obvious place for me to start, and that is batch cooking. Erin and I talk about this a lot. She has a batch cooking guide on her website that you can get. Really, you can just do so much with lunches and dinners by planning ahead a little bit. Also, keep in mind that we're only talking about five days a week here, so don't make it harder than it has to be. This isn't like a resort restaurant. No one should expect an entirely different lunch for every day of the week and then come home and do something different for dinner. So plan to make two, maybe even three options for lunch, but cap it at that. I think it's a good idea to have one leftover day. So plan for one dinner that will allow for that. Um, A slow cooker meal, a bigger amount of protein, veggies, and starch one night can make for a really easy lunch the next day. Depending on how many people you're feeding, you may use something bigger like a slow cooker, instant pot, a big casserole type dish, um, a bunch of stuff on a baking sheet, or even if it's just you just a, a skillet whatever, but um, shoot for something that can be made using one dish. That's huge with batch cooking because you want to prepare for the week, but you don't want to then spend an hour doing dishes after. Uh, For leftovers, you can use the microwave to reheat something if that's your jam, or you can invest in some great thermoses to keep food warm until lunchtime. This might be something that you want to include in your Christmas list this year. Hydro Flask makes uh, some great thermoses for food. So if one lunch is going to be leftovers, then you just need to figure out two other lunches. Um, And I would say you eat those two other options twice. So there are your other four days. Roast chicken is a great option. Um, Super easy to do. You can roast an entire chicken while you're cleaning your house or preparing other food for the week. Pull it apart, use it for lunches. I love having this kind of mishmash of leftover pulled chicken, avocado, sauerkraut, greens, and whatever veggies I have on hand. And I just include like a, a lemon wedge. You can make some awesome chicken salad with it instead of a sandwich. Pair with some crackers. I like Mary's Gone Crackers, or um, I've heard awesome things about Jill's Crackers, but they have almonds in them. I don't do almonds, so jealous for anyone who can try those. I'll include some veggie sticks and a side of fruit with that option of um, chicken salad or like the mishmash thing. If you're going to go the whole chicken route, don't forget to use the carcass to make a batch of bone broth too. Don't throw it out and then go buying a $10 bag of bone broth from the store. Another option is to buy a rotisserie chicken and pull that apart, but look for organic at the least. Um, If you have a farm near you that does rotisseries made from pasture-raised birds, that's your best option, hands down. 
Uh, Hard-boiled, pasture-raised organic eggs are a great option for lunch. You can either keep them whole um, or just like slice them and add some salt and pepper or even turn them into deviled eggs. Um, But use like an avocado oil-based mayo. Nothing, no junky mayos made with canola or other sketchy oils. Uh, And we have an episode on the podcast all about oils that you can listen to to learn more about why I say that. Do you have any favorite brands of um, mayonnaise? Yeah, it's it's the Primal Kitchen one, I think, is the one that I I buy. Yeah, I buy that one, too. And then also Chosen Foods is another really good one. And Market Basket, I know this isn't isn't doesn't apply to you but market basket started carrying chosen foods avocado mayo it's like eight bucks a jar which is that's awesome yeah it's cheap you know by comparison so awesome um what else you can uh switch up tuna salad by mixing in some sardines uh i like to add chopped celery pickles uh avocado oil mayo dijon mustard to my tuna salad. The sardines are a great source of EHA and DHA. Both are super important for brain health. And you might be thinking, hell no, but trust me, if you like fish, you can handle this. You, Erin, finally got me to try some. I mixed it into my usual tuna salad recipe. And I didn't even notice a big difference in flavor, but it definitely makes it a powerhouse in terms of nutrition. I think when you get them smoked, that's when I tell the the flavor a bit more. So you could start by getting some that aren't smoked and then try both and see which one you you like. Uh, You can do tuna salad with crackers and veggie sticks, like I had said, for chicken salad or include some butter lettuce and make uh, lettuce cups with it. I would not be true to myself if I didn't suggest a salad. It's just so versatile and you can do so much there. I rarely get sick of them, but that's just me. Mix up your greens and veggies. Try to let shopping for what's in season be what keeps things changing. Uh, You can add some meat from the batch cooking or leftover protein or hard-boiled eggs. And I always have avocado and kraut with salad. Leftover burgers or meatballs using beef, chicken, or even salmon is another great option. You can include a yummy dipping sauce and just eat them cold or make a wrap out of them. That would be a really good lunchbox idea too. Leftover burgers, meatballs. Yeah, for sure. And I I mean, I can definitely eat those cold. Uh, No problem. And... Switch up the sandwiches by swapping bread for lettuce. Romaine, I think, is is the trick. And roll everything up in that against all grain. Um, you mentioned them with the blender bread. They have a bunch of these on her Instagram page. And it's basically like taking chicken or turkey, avocado. She does bacon a lot, uh, mustard or mayo, tomato, anything that you'd make a wrap out of. And you use romaine leaves and parchment paper on the outside to hold it all together and then you rip away the paper as you go. I love these but will say be careful of how you layer the ingredients. You don't want to have something like tomatoes right next to the lettuce. The lettuce is going to get super funky by lunch. So keep the meat or cheese or the drier ingredients what's next to the lettuce Um, and the wetter ingredients like say the the mayo, the mustard, um, the tomatoes on the inside layers. 
uh, rice bowls for leftover veggies and protein with um, with some avocado is a great option. And cold rice actually has benefits over warm because when it's cooled, when you cook it and then cool it, it becomes a resistant starch, which is a type of starch that isn't digested in the stomach or the small intestine. So it gets your colon still intact, meaning it's resisted digestion. And when this happens, you don't see spikes in blood glucose or insulin. And on top of that, it's also fantastic food for the beneficial bacteria in your gut. Yeah, they love that stuff. They, they love the cold rice. Same thing with um, um, cold potatoes. Cold potatoes, too. So like yeah. a potato salad yeah. would be a dope lunch. That would be great. Uh, you can go on Against All Grain. She has a blog post about gluten-free lunchbox ideas, and so does Nom Nom Paleo lunchbox idea post. So the rest of what Jenny said was good, including the veggies and some fruit are awesome staples in any lunchbox. But I do have a suggestion about the kind bars, and that's to just make a trail mix or energy balls instead. As great as the marketing for kind bars being a nutritious food has been, they are actually still a processed food. And instead of that, you could use some nuts, seeds, coconut flakes, maybe a little dried fruit as long as it's not loaded with added sugars or it has funky oils on them. You can use a little cacao nibs or dark chocolate chips. Something like this you could make every other week in a big batch so that you can just grab some for snacks or keep around the house for an easy on-the-go option. We talked about snack ideas in episode two, so you can refer back to that to hear about different bars and bites that we like to make. The problem with the bars that you get in the store is that very few brands are actually really good quality. Natural flavors, added sugar, funky oils, factory farmed protein sources, conventionally sprayed ingredients or fruit, it's... It's always better to limit the processed foods if you can by making your own snacks. Um, that's a great idea of how to replace that. And, and you know, we, we get it. Sometimes you're in a bind and, you know, you just got to choose the, the good option rather than the best option. But um, if you can plan ahead, this, this would be a great thing to swap out and, and hopefully a lot cheaper too. That was a lot of talking. Yep. <laughs> well, I think we did. We um we did a good job there. I don't. Yeah. What am I saying? Can we just edit yeah. this out? Can I just edit out everything? <laughs> nope. We do not have the capabilities <laughs> of doing that. It just sounds like a lot of work. Um, I just said we did a great job. <laughs> just saying, like we really tackled that question. All right, let's call it a show. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question for Erin and Kyle to tackle, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for us in iTunes. Take care of you. What's that?